Hello and welcome to Brain Trust Live number 475. This week on the podcast, Burning Man has confirmed everything we've always suspected about trying to commune with nature. Plus, Mitch McConnell is glitching again. And Vivek Ramaswamy takes the natural next step from professional grifter to MLM leader. Plus, Joe Manchin will run for president because he needs to keep making his houseboat mortgage payments when his senator salary ends. And winning the presidency is actually pretty easy if you give people a reason to vote for you. We'll have all this and more. This is Brain Trust Live. Hey y'all, I'm Brent. I'm Lila, and you can find us on the web at www.branchlesslive.com. Happy Labor Day weekend. Happy Labor Day weekend. I hope you are not working. I hope you're sticking it to the man. Please. That's the most important thing you could be doing. I won't be working. That's right. As it turns out, as an unemployed person. We'll be sticking it to the man (laughs) via not having the man, not having a man. (laughs) That's right. Um, So that's exciting. It's a whole new quality of life. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch you experience life the manless. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, in any case, so we have started to hit an exciting time in election season. Yes. Which is Iowa football season. <laughs> yes. Because as I forget every year, it's when you get political advertisements, That's which right. I forgot about. So we watched I the Iowa football forget game about yesterday. it permanently because of not being a person who watches any football. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it was otherwise boring as Iowa football goes. If yeah. you know, you know. Um, but I did That's how see I feel about a, all football. <laughs> sure. I did uh, see a few wild commercials, two specifically, right. one from Nikki Haley and one from Tim Scott. And the Nikki Haley one was very crazy. It was sort of like about her time, I don't know, bringing countries together at the UN or something like that. But then, <laughs> but then just like raging on and on about like communist China and throwing communist China in the trash heap of history. I mean, a very just like, it was a commercial about how terrible China is and how she's going Fiery. to like, like, I don't end China or something. I, it They're was unclear mostly. All what she was so going mad to do. at China, and it's like, look inward first. <laughs> I know. If you hate authoritarian regimes that yeah. are up to shenanigans, yeah. think about yourselves. Yeah. Well, Tim Scott was looking inward. Certainly. <laughs> was uh, he? Well, he was looking inward at the problems in America oh, specifically, which I, he I thinks were um, in the schools. Mm. Uh, where he believes that we are teaching CRT and not ABC. Yeah, that's, uh, that's So there was that. Nobody can read, but we're all well-versed in critical race theory. <laughs> that's right. The that's classic American problem. problem. So that's right, yeah. yeah. Those teachers I mean, just can't stop teaching the CRT. Certainly, I feel like people are probably not getting a good enough education in how to commit campaign fraud, which is something that he <laughs> is... Uh, that he's he's one of America's leading experts in since mm-hmm. his entire campaign is, is aside from running Iowa ads is just like a front for like yeah. a money laundering operation yeah. where he gets money uh, sent to his friends and family mm-hmm. to do God knows what because they're all yeah. sort of like second and third tier payments to random vendors that no yeah. one knows what they're for. So he also it was sort of like a, a whole commercial about the problem with America's schools because he also started it with like I was a college athlete because of course <laughs> it had to which I don't remember who knows what he did but um, he was because he was also of course like big mad about um, you know men in dresses playing yeah, sports obviously. obviously. Yeah. As Nikki Haley put it, the women's issue of our time. Mm, yes. um, so they're both mad about it, but only yeah. Tim Scott in this specific commercial was mad about right. it. Uh, and they're, they're using B-roll of that, um, you know, that swimmer, that, oh, the trans yeah, swimmer. Um, yeah, what's right, of yeah. course. So, you know, just scaring up any old thing that, like, we're teaching our children, basically. Like, we're turning Classic. them trans 
and we're, you know, teaching them, I don't know, reverse racism or something. Whatever it is that Tim Scott thinks is happening in American right. schools. And not the ABCs. <clears throat> Certainly, they're not learning to read, no. which he might be right about. He might be this right is, about it, but it's, it's largely because ex- of funding say, issues that his party has advocated say, for. It's an, ex- it's an example of identifying some of the correct problems and None not the it. right solutions. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Um, our kids can't read, but it's because of trans. That's right. What? I do like to follow their logical leaps into, like, I feel that Republicans have really mastered the art of, like, the chaotic misdirect (laughs) in a way that, like, is is sort of, um, it's creative in a way that I uh, sort of admire. I don't admire the... No. uh, You know, the solutions that they're proposing (laughs) or any of the language that they're using or really anything about anything that they're up to. But, and I say this all the time about them, I feel like, I, in the last decade, have kind of admired their gall Mm. and their creativity. I feel like they are like, here's an unsolvable problem. Let's, here's an incredibly popular issue where women's healthcare, like a basic kind of women's healthcare, Is, is a conversation that we are going to create and then resolve in a way that no one wants and then celebrate our <laughs> resolution that no one wanted. And like they, like they really thought to themselves, the Supreme Court has settled this, but let's dream big. Yeah. And you know, I talked about that a lot when Dobbs happened because I was like, you have to admire the effort because they really, yeah. they, they shifted the Overton window. <clears throat> and you know, Democrats are famously terrible at doing that. And I feel like, let their chaotic logical leaps inspire you yes. to make more uh, creative choices in your right. politics. You don't have to use your right. creativity for evil. Republicans dream big and Democrats just remind their voters that they can't have nice things. Yes. Like, why can't we dream big? Yeah. And like, they failed for years. <laughs> How many years did they not overturn Roe? It was like 70 of them. Yeah. And then suddenly they just found their moment. And, like, why can't we wait until we find our moment? Why can't we dream big until our moment comes? I know. Yeah. Like, I feel like every time I watch a Republican campaign commercial, I'm just reminded that you can have gall on television if you want to. <laughs> I know. I know. And that yeah. we could be those people, too. Yeah. And you don't have to use gallish ideas for evil. You don't have <laughs> no. to use your gall for evil. Like, I think a lot of the time, this is actually something that I feel like is a conversation where when people compare Bernie and Trump, I'm often like, yeah, they do sound alike. And I don't think that populist talking points have to be evil. I think they are evil when Trump uses them because he's using them to say hurtful and hateful things. And and Sanders is using the same language and the same framings to say something hopeful. And, you know, something something that is sort of democratizing. And so, like, the... The, the language itself really isn't the problem or the, the, you know, the symbolism itself isn't really the problem unless you're using it for evil. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, like, just yeah. use their bad ideas for good yep. or their good ideas for bad or what, what? No, their good ideas for good. That's what I meant to say. Yes. In any case, be inspired is what <laughs> Use this Labor Day to be inspired by the gall of Republicans who seem to think that communist China... Is, and CRT are behind all of... Why don't we start naming things that are behind our woes? Right. And putting them on TV. Anyway, let's, do it. let's talk about Burning Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, <clears throat> what a mess. You guys, there's a reason that you would never have found me at Burning Man, aside from the fact that I'm pretty much allergic to all of nature, including right. dust, and I don't like being in places where there aren't real toilets. Yeah, I was about to say, because you'd have to be like in a tent of some sort. Yeah. yeah, and you won't find me in a tent. That's yeah. not a place that I will be. 
But also, everything that has gone wrong with just a minor amount of rain at Burning Man is something that I have been sort of catastrophically predicting would likely go wrong if I attended Burning Man on a good day. Yeah. Like, the toilet situation, it sounds bad now, but it sounds bad on a good day. 100%. The shower situation, the sanitation situation? No. I don't want to hear about it even on the best of days. No. In the most... San- in, in, in the most sanitary Burning Man that has ever been conducted, yeah. they are already not getting access to the showers that I require. <laughs> I know. And so this is really the problem with going into the desert with a bunch of tech bros and right. trying to do drugs and have sex all weekend. Do you know where else you can do drugs and have sex all weekend? It's home. in a city at home. Yeah. <laughs> right. You can Go to a hotel. You don't even have to be at home. You yeah. want to yeah. see something new? Right. Get go to the beach. The- yeah. But like, you don't need, you don't need to leave plumbing. In order no, to do, do a not. bunch of drugs no. and have sex with everyone. You, don't. you could do that anywhere. I know. I just absolutely adore that they had to get by what was essentially like a roadblock of climate uh, yes. protesters. Because also, and we I think we've talked yes. about this on the podcast actually before. As it turns out, you know, building a city of 80,000 people in the desert for a couple of weeks is like maybe not the best for the environment. So Shocked. like the fact that they had to sort of like get by climate protesters to like to participate in a climate disaster, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically in a temporary city. Because you know what this does make me think of yeah. is one of my favorite and most recommended books of all time, uh, uh, Boomtown. Boomtown. Uh-huh. This Burning Man is basically the founding of Oklahoma City once a year. <laughs> Just like forever on repeat. But everyone leaves. Yeah. At least in Oklahoma City, some of them stayed. <laughs> I don't think it was great for anyone involved, but <laughs> but what a wild world where there was a city that was actually founded that it founded in the same way that Burning Man is founded every year. What a world! But yeah, think about all of the environmental toil that this requires because there are no resources in the desert. Right. So they have to bring in all their own water. Yeah. They have to bring in all their own fuel. They have to bring in all their own food. Right. They have to be bring in the water that they need to shower, and they're in a place where there's dust stuck to every crevice of your uh-huh. body. So I would contend you probably need more showers than usual. They have to bring in all their own drugs. None of the drugs started there. Right. And you know what it takes to transport those drugs in? Gas. That's right. It's just, and it's also just like, it's such an ick, Burning Man. Like, I I mean, you don't have to, what was that tweet I sent you? The only thing worse than being at Burning Man right (laughs) now is being in a conversation with somebody who went to Burning Man. Yes. And that's, that's accurate. That's true. That's, that's true. That's, also they might have Ebola now. (laughs) There's an Ebola scare going on there right now because obviously... Uh The conditions have deteriorated pretty dramatically, and there are people that are stuck there oh, yeah, it's in not very great. dangerous I mean, we're situations. Light of it, but right. like it's, it's not. It's good. like people yeah. are getting people are freezing. Right. People, people don't have, have food or water, yeah. and there's also because the sanitation situation has fallen apart. Yeah. There is now it's some like an kind actual of, disaster. Apparently, Biden has been briefed on the yeah, situation. No, it's like an actual disaster. <laughs> yeah. Like the kind where you might need to like airlift supplies people, in, right? Supplies. Um, and people out. Mm-hmm. But apparently, there's also a mysterious kind of illness that involves like a terrible stomach issue and boils and like a bunch of stuff <laughs> going around. And so all of a sudden now everyone's worried there's Ebola, which like yeah. newsflash, it's probably COVID. Well, I know. Have <laughs> you been, have you been seeing that um, almost every day there's been like a withdrawal at the U S open from like yep. some, like a, uh, you know, oh, there's a, there's a mysterious flu virus yeah, that's going on. Yeah, everyone's got the flu, the, right, the in, summer uh, flu, the, get the out summer, of here. It's not, there's no everybody has flu. COVID and we've just stopped caring that that's yeah. what everybody is doing. That's right. Yeah, right. Yeah, <clears throat> COVID is going around, but also some of these new strains have very bad gastrointestinal impacts. Oh, and so like, I have a suspicion that a lot of what's going around Burning Man right now, given that COVID. it's a bunch well, of... Considering COVID cases are up like 300% yeah. or something, and that's 
just the, the ones that we're testing. Well, and also think about how much worse the impacts of COVID would be if you were in a place where there was no access oh, to sanitation, 100%. heat, rest, any of the things that you would need to yeah. like survive comfortably with COVID. Yeah, and also if you're a person who was planning to go to Burning Man, you were a person who would go even if you had COVID symptoms For sure. to Burning Man. Like these people are not being like, well, I woke up with a sore throat, so I'm not going to go to Burning Man. That's not what's happening Absolutely with the not. Burning Man people. No. No. They go to Burning Man to be uncomfortable. Why not just be uncomfortable while you're sick and spreading an infectious illness that murders people all That's over right. the place? Yeah. Um, in any case, let this be reason one billion that you get from this podcast that you don't ever need to camp. Unless you are actually, like, without a home, in which That's case right. we should be doing better to make sure you have a home because you don't deserve to camp if you don't have a home either. No. No one deserves camping. <laughs> Least right. of all people who don't have homes. But right. unless it is like actually your last option. But to voluntarily camp. Don't be camping. <laughs> Stay in places where you can be indoors. No. Yeah, I know. There are so many dangers to camping, including bugs and temperatures and snakes. I feel the same way about people who are voluntarily Hiking. Yes, don't be hiking. You don't have to do that. Just take a walk. Are you hiking at gunpoint? Right. If it's, not, then you are free. You could be making other decisions with yourself. To take a life. walk. Well, there's a thing in LA where people do what is essentially taking a walk, but it's they call walk. it hiking. Right. And you yeah. have to be like, listen, you're not hiking Runyon. You're taking a walk in Runyon. It's a park right. with like one zillion other people. Right. It's it, that's not a hike. A slight incline. It's a, right. There's an incline and it's paved. And there's dogs everywhere. <laughs> but like that's, like we can call it a hike if we want to be cute, but that is in fact just a walk in a park. Yeah. And I'm not against walks in parks. I'm parks are lovely. No. Um, I am, however, against the amount of hiking that's going on in Los yeah. Angeles in parks that are, I guess, <laughs> lovely if you can sit stationarily in them and look out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, don't be in nature is our, <laughs> it's yeah. our main point. Yeah. yeah. Save the environment. <laughs> Stay away from it. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh my God, Mitch McConnell glitched again. again. <laughs> How much longer for this world is he? Well, <clears throat> I don't know. Certainly not to 2026, which is hilarious because the the thing that he glitched on, and I can see why this broke his brain. Yeah, because it's hard to imagine who would think to ask Mitch McConnell if he was going to run for re-election in 2026, not 2024. No. friends. No, he has he glitched, years left on he that. He glitched term. in response to, "Are you running again in 2026?" And so the more I think about it, the more, like, I don't, I might have frozen for 30 seconds to respond to that question yeah. because Cause it's, a dumb it's question. the dumbest question that anybody could possibly ask Mitch McConnell, but, like, was very uncomfortable. Again. I, and he also, he looks so helpless when he glitches like this that it also is, like, you're kind of, like, can somebody let this man, like, I know he's, like, the root of all evil. I don't have, there's no love loss between me and right? Mitch McConnell. As far as I'm concerned... He deserves a miserable death because he's miserable as a person. He's condemned many others to miserable yeah. deaths. However, is there no one who does care about Mitch McConnell out right. there? I mean, he we're doesn't not, have a family. Like, what's right? going on? I mean, we're we're not really. We haven't. Well, I guess we saw on the Senate floor. I was going to be like, we haven't seen Diane Feinstein do this, but there was that time where she didn't know we what she was supposed seen, to be doing. Yeah. Although then she like read a piece of paper that was in front of her. Far more eloquently than I would have thought, that wasn't the assignment. She was supposed, right. to, be, she was supposed to just be saying yes, yes to right. a vote, but um, you know. Well, she has like, dementia. That's a separate thing where she just like has surprise skills. Right, <laughs> right, yes, exactly. It's kind yeah. of a it's a crapshoot. But, but you're I think get with that her. her. My point is that I think generally, and granted, she had to do something because she was literally voting. So she right. was like in the Senate, and there was a camera on her. But like, we've not nobody's shoving her in front of a camera. No. 
right? Don't like they make are, her. They are actively yeah. pushing her in a wheelchair through the hallways, like and under the cover questions. of fucking darkness, yeah. right? Like, and I feel like that is, and it's unfortunate because he's literally the leader of the party yeah. in the Senate. But like, somebody needs to be like putting the invisibility cloak on that man. Yes. Also, I mean, on the one hand, I hate this for America. <laughs> on the other hand, I love it because every moment like this makes Biden's run for president harder. I know. And I just love it because I feel like he's totally just like going to gaslight us on this because yeah. like he himself was asked about it and he was like, I talked to him on the phone and he sounded great. Yeah. It's like... Like Joe Biden is literally just going to like gaslight us either. into thinking, thinking that Mitch McConnell's Mitch McConnell okay. is doing well. He's fine. And the reason Which is he needs of... you to think that is because he's the same age as Mitch McConnell. <laughs> no. I think the two of them just have like some sort of truce. Where they're It'll just gonna like packed. they're just like gonna go around gaslighting everyone to be like, yeah, they're fine. Yeah, I talked to him the other day. Just yeah. as clear, like a regular guy. as clearly as he was when I first met him in 1917. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I. It does feel a little bit like. I mean, we have currently the only president on earth who cannot use this to go after the opposition. I know. Yeah. Because this is the only time that this could come up is in that our president is the same age right. and has now had to, they're having to send him down a special short staircase on Air Force One so that he doesn't trip. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's got his own trials and tribulations. <laughs> and those are not even the trials and tribulations of no one on earth wanting him to run for president. But like, <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. That, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> but it's just like, are the two of them are just going to be questioned about each other's fitness in an effort to, and you know what they're gonna do. They're gonna both throw shade at Diane, so to deflect uh, from to, to to show their own comparable youth. Oh yes, because they are younger than she is. Well, everyone's younger than she is. <laughs> so only Chuck Grassley's the only one who's not younger than she is. Oh yeah, and he's thriving somehow. And he, I, well, he's got his Twitter account and his right. deer, and he's his, got everything his he needs. Vacuum his and... favorite vacuum. He's got everything he loves. <laughs> like, I wouldn't call him thriving yeah. based on his Twitter presence, well, but he's, but he's, he's certainly doing him. He. You know, what I think that he's doing differently is that he, while still technically being in the Senate, he's also semi-retired. That's right. <laughs> he is essentially invisible. So I think that, like, he's able to sort of have the best of both worlds right That's now. That's right. Yeah. Which is what I wish the rest of these fools understood. Yeah. Because even Diane, and, like, they've all gotten to a point where they're too senior now. Like, what you want is to be a backbencher at this stage. <laughs> Because you want to be able to keep collecting the salary and oh, have the yeah. nice office and pretend to go to work every day so yeah, that you give feel up like you all have of purpose. Your, give up all of your leadership positions. Give them immediately up. Yeah. D no, don't sit on any committees. Don't, right. Just hang out. Yeah. It's the Senate. No one will ever find out. Vibe. Vibe. <laughs> just vibe. Yeah. And like, all of these people are playing it wrong. Mitch McConnell should not be leading the party right now. No. He should be home with a good book while yeah. someone else leads the party and calls him for wise counsel periodically. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't have to answer the phone if he doesn't have his brain together at that moment. <laughs> no. You know, it's like, I just don't understand what everyone's up to. And finally people, I feel like people on TikTok are starting to catch on because finally they have noticed these people aren't even boomers. We keep blaming the boomers for not oh, giving yeah. up their shit. These people are war babies or great, greatest generation. Yeah. They're not even boomers. No. They're too old to be boomers. Mm -hmm. We're being held hostage by the generate. Boomers are being held hostage by these people. <laughs> like, 
I mean, yeah. Chuck Schumer looks terrible, but he's a real boomer at least, and he at least sort of has his brain together a little. Mostly. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he has any ambition left, but at least he sort of like is able to get up in front of a camera and smile. Like, <laughs> right. I, what is Mitch McConnell is not able to answer simple questions about his plans. Yeah. No. At the moment. Mm-hmm. In any case, um, don't let these two gaslight you. They're both too old. And it is okay to say that. Even if you're a Democrat, it's okay to admit that Mitch McConnell is a good example of why Joe Biden is too old. That they're both, they both don't belong in that position. And Diane really doesn't. And the only reason we're not talking about Chuck is because Chuck Grassley's minding his own, keeping his fucking mouth shut. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) In any case. Oh boy. Oh my God. We've got to talk some more about Vivek Ramaswamy. He's fascinating. Yeah. We, and awful. He's awful, but because of his star turn in the Republican debate, we are finding out a lot more about him than yeah. I think we ever hoped to or wished that we wanted to have to. Yeah. Um, and he has a biography that does not surprise you once you know it, because he <clears throat> is essentially like a public grifter. And yep. it turns out that, that he's also a private grifter. So... <laughs> You know, he he talked a little bit about, you know, being in the private sector and making his fortune during mm-hmm. the debate. And I think a lot of us knew he had been somewhere in tech, but didn't really understand what he did. Right. And we finally found out what he did to make all that money. And it turns out it was a grift, is what he did. So mm-hmm. basically, he started out in biotech. He sure. had this company that was registered in Bermuda called Axovant, which sold a drug, an Alzheimer's drug called RVT-101. This was a drug they did not invent. They purchased the rights from GlaxoSmithKline for $5 million. Mm -hmm. Glaxo, obviously one of the biggest pharma companies in the world, sold it because the drug doesn't work. Right. I was going to say, if GlaxoSmithKline had invented a cure for Alzheimer's, they're not selling it to Vivek Ramaswamy for $5 million. They're not selling it to anyone because they can make the drug and sell it. They would make it and they would charge you $5 million per pill. Right. They're a pharmaceutical company. (laughs) They know how their own business works. (laughs) So in any case... So this is a drug that has failed in its initial trials. He, Vivek Ramaswamy's mother is a doctor. He puts, and also an investor in um, sure. Axomant. He puts her um, on a research team that conducts a new trial um, that redoes the failed clinical trial and claims the drug works. Oh, it works now. Yeah, it just works. It's fine. It's literally like an investor in the company has redone the trial uh-huh. and has declared it working. We got so it. So we got it. But of course, this wasn't the final trial. So there's like a third trial the drug has to go through in order to actually get to market. So after the second trial, they have this huge IPO. Yep. They sell the company for zillions of dollars. Right. The entire Vivek family sells their shares because yep. they're all invested in it. Uh-huh. Um, and then, of course, the drug fails in its late stage trials because it never was going to work because it's not yeah. a working drug. Um, and he basically always knew it was going to fail because they had only scammed everyone by putting his mother onto a research team that was directed yeah. to make the drug look like it was working. Um, but they all know it's worthless the whole yeah. time. The whole thing is a con. Yeah. And then after, so obviously this comes out after they've already sold their stock, you know, mm-hmm. the IPO happens, it sells for huge amounts of money. The price of the stock tanks because the drug doesn't work and they are invested in nothing essentially. Right. Um, and then he changes the name of the company because it's like a pump and dump company scheme mm-hmm. and just sort of like disappears. And so this is a man who's worth $630 million, according to Forbes. He's invested $15 million of those dollars into his own campaign. Uh And he is a man who made his fortune conning investors uh, knowingly in the biotech space. Yeah. He's not a person who, like, 
is good at business in the sense that he like came up with a product and it worked and ran a business. Yeah. He's a guy who literally ran a grift. Yeah. That's how he made his fortune. How is it? I'm curious about this and I don't know the answer and maybe it's just as simple Why is as literally legal? well, yeah, that. That's not my question, but I would like to explore that as well. <laughs> um, I'm curious why and and maybe it's literally just because they don't meet people like this often. So right. when they see a fancy rich person, it's just they get overwhelmed by their wealth. I don't know what it is, but I'm curious why it is that like the GOP falls for this I know. type of person because this is the Trump type of person yeah. also. I mean, like, to a degree, it's a different sector, certainly. But yeah. I mean, like, you know, inflated wealth, shady business dealings, you know, it's like, I don't... Yeah, and, I mean, and especially from the party who's, like, claims to be about, you know, the working class. And I think yeah. to a certain degree, even the working class, like, people in that party probably are looking up to this. And, like, I just don't... I don't get why they don't, why they don't get that they're they're being gripped. Well, and especially because so there's so much rage on the right about <clears throat> figures like this. Uh, yes, of this course. is a lot of the galvanizing force of the far right. Yes, is anger about this exact kind of behavior. Totally. I think that people don't understand how the stock market works well enough to understand Probably. that this was like a direct grift and yeah. not like a sort of smart business move. I think it's being yeah. portrayed as like a smart business right. move. I think it will ultimately tank him. I think just like, yeah, probably. Part something. of it they're is also... Like falling for snake oil salesmen. They're falling for snake... Because he, like Trump, is like a charismatic presence. That's what he's selling. Yeah. And that's what actually... That's what he was selling in the grift, too. That's yeah, what made him true. successful at the I'm grift. Sure. And I think, you know, the difference with Trump is that Trump was on our television screens for years playing right, a successful right, right. businessman. Whereas Ramaswamy is just some guy. Yeah. And he's so fucking annoying. Ugh. Like, Trump is, like, entertaining. Like, right. listen, I don't want what he's selling, but no. I inherently understand how entertaining he is. Right. And I fall for that all the time. I could listen to the water pressure bit. I mean. Daily. Daily. If no. It's, if, yeah. he, if they ran the Trump Stakes press conference on television <laughs> once a day, I would watch it once a day. It yeah. was that transformative of a television moment for me. So, like, I get <clears throat> that what he's selling is something that, you can buy. There is something yeah. to buy. It's not necessarily what you should buy for right. a political figure. But he's just selling douchebaggery. He's selling douchebaggery. But I think that's why he's doomed to fail. Like one thing that my mom said to me on the phone the other day was she was like, before you guys started the podcast, I would panic about these people. And what I love about the fact that Brain Trust Live has been going on for so long is I oh, now yeah. know never to panic when one of these people starts to rise right. in the polls. Yeah. Because these people fail. Yeah. Vivek Ramaswamy is not a real contender for the presidency. Some, if he becomes one, something has changed. Like, it, yeah. you know, the, the, this is not like a trend you have to worry about. Now, something could change. I mean, we don't know the future. Yeah. But like, this is not the kind of person who normally succeeds, even in a Trump era primary. No. Because he doesn't have enough behind him. His branding is not strong enough yet. Mm. Trump had decades of branding behind him. And, uh, you know, decades of... Um, learning how to overcome bad business yeah, practices. Yeah, yeah. Like, this guy is just, like, some idiot who yeah. had a sort of lucky scheme. Who's running an MLM fundraising Now he's running scheme. an MLM. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing we learned about Ramaswamy this week, well, we learned about it because he announced it this week, is he's <laughs> starting an MLM scheme for fundraising for his campaign. So as we said before, he's invested $15 million in his own campaign, but they're trying to think about how to bring fundraisers into the door. Um, so he's created what he's calling his kitchen cabinet, mm. where he's... Basically telling people that they can fundraise for his campaign and make a 10% commission on the <laughs> raised money. Yeah. 
So he's like now, if offering those people fundraise. I was just gonna and say get a ten percent how... commission. Does then that person get like a twenty percent commission? Do does bundlers it, do you get have a bigger commission underneath you? Does it start to look similar to the shape of a pyramid <laughs> right. at a certain point? I mean, it would have to, right? <laughs> um. So he and he's making it seem like he is doing this to quote democratize the ability to make money, which is such a confusing. <laughs> thing to say everything about this is so baffling yeah um uh, but let us confirm for you what you might suspect which is that this is a straight mlm scheme <laughs> totally is. you should not fall for it you should not participate in it its yeah. legality is a gray area <laughs> it is likely to get picked apart in the courts eventually and it's also yeah. stupid and you don't want to be involved in something stupid do you <laughs> no you don't <laughs> oh my god oh it's a nightmare um, this is a no labels hate podcast. <laughs> as, well, as you might have, as you might not be surprised to hear, but also speaking of fundraising. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, the yeah, real segue here. Um, right, is that they are now employing a um, Florida-based real estate developer who was a fundraiser and gave one hundred thirty-seven thousand dollars to a Donald Trump in yeah. twenty twenty. Surprisingly, no labels is being funded with right. Trump money. Right, he's in a leadership role in the Florida chapter now. He first got involved with No Labels in 2016, and he joined the board um, of the Florida affiliate after the 2020 election. And then um, the uh, the Florida group is headed by this woman, Kathleen um, Shanahan, who's a business person who served as the chief of staff for then-Governor Jeb Bush. So, like, listen, we don't have to continue to tell you this, but I feel like we do need to beat it home to you i mean you as a listener of this podcast are probably not going to vote for anybody on this line on the ballot especially if that person is joe manchin but like you just sort of like i know as we've told you before you just have to keep your eye open you know what i mean like yes you gotta antennas up antennas up anytime that someone claims that they're finding a middle way that middle way is to the right that's right there is no this is what third way that's is up to right that's right. This is what the Lincoln Project is up to. They are Republicans and talk about grifters. I, they Let's are, talk about the no labels grift. That's right. Right? I yeah. mean, like, it's just, you can't, you can't be falling they're for like what these people are selling you. A pack that's <clears throat> not a party, but is a party where they're running people, but they're claiming they're not a party, so they're not having to pay right, taxes. Right, pay report. taxes or report where their yeah. money's coming from or anything. Yeah, I mean. It's like a straight grift. 100%. And the reason that you knew it was a grift is because Joe Lieberman was behind it. <laughs> so right. you knew immediately. Yeah. And additionally, and we've talked about this before, but we've never really had any actual evidence to back us up. But now we do. So we told you so. Yeah. We can officially say we told you so. <laughs> but we have said a million times that the reason that Joe Manchin is even hinting at whether he's going to be running for president before is because he is about to have his ass handed yeah. to him in his Senate run. And like, look, maybe that's one less Democrat and you're mad about that, but like I would contend who fucking cares. Right. Because uh, he's not playing along anyway. I mean, no, exactly. he's be acting like he's running the party, so I would prefer also, he just be gone anyway. But like... Maybe he would be doing better if he was actually standing for literally anything, anything. as a senator. Right. But he officially is getting his ass handed yeah. to him. by um. He's a man uh, who's not going to be a senator for long. No. And... That is why he might run for president. Yeah. Otherwise, they're, they're how's he going to afford his right, houseboat? They're saying that they're waiting to see who the nominees are and what the polling between Biden yeah. and Trump is. What they're waiting to see, they were waiting for this polling is what yeah. they're waiting for. So 
And if this polling doesn't change anytime soon, then expect to be hearing from Joe Manchin that he's running for president yeah. on the no labels line. Right, because he's down 13 points, and that's what you do. That's what you do. you got to find another job. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And running for president, quite lucrative, as it turns out. And also is a full-time job, basically. Yeah. Which is why Joe Biden shouldn't do it. My mother in front of the podcast, Carla Nordstrom, mm. has a new scheme that she's running, where just every day she's writing a fairly long and detailed letter to Joe Biden just to explain why he should not run for president. And I think her reasoning is really rock solid, which is... <clears throat> use the time because running for president is a full-time job use yeah. the time to do anything yeah to try to solve some of the crises that americans are facing yeah to make it easier for your successor like are you mad about gun violence us too why don't you use the time that you would be running for president promising to do something about gun violence that you mm -hmm. currently have the power to do but aren't doing and just like <laughs> do that thing why don't you use the time to try to figure out how to resolve some of the climate issues we're bound to face mm -hmm. you're not doing that you're not doing president. that either like, use the time to figure out how women's health care can exist again. Use the time. <laughs> for I mean, any health care. For any, any health care. Because you've stopped caring about that. Right. There's no one has we Medicaid anymore. Like, like, use the time that you would use to run for president to think about what your job as an ex-president right. could be. Or also to curl up with a good book as an 80-year-old person. Yeah. I mean, or retire. Yeah. But either way... One thing you shouldn't be doing when 70% of Americans, 77% of Americans feel that you are too old to effectively govern. Yeah, and obviously is once- Is run for president. Right, and once, yeah, there was a new poll from the AP that, that that's the statistic yeah. that we're quoting right now. And obviously, as you can imagine, because you're people who like may not be excellent at math, but are good enough, you know, to know that that is obviously a very large amount of Democrats, right? Yes. I think it would it was, have to be. Right, I think it was something like 89% of Republicans and like 64% of Democrats. It's a majority like, of Democrats it's a is the important point for you to majority, have. large majority of Democrats, right? Um, so I just, we could be, and we said this last week, and again, at some point, by the way, whether through this podcast or through another avenue, we need to start talking about Carla Nordstrom being a true American hero. That's right. <laughs> by the way. So, um, because she's doing the people's work. Yeah. She's going to be a writer. Well, yeah. she, unlike so many of us, is, she's a war baby. So she's a member of this generation sure. that she's trying to currently get out of government. Yeah. She knows they're too old because she likes being retired. And she's like, <laughs> right. why don't you guys enjoy the fun? Yeah. Um, it's a great time to be a community activist, retirement. Sure. But they're, they're not getting the opportunity to explore that. They are certainly not, no. But I just, you know, there was a lot more polling this week that came out, too, that shows Biden and Trump in a dead heat. We saw some hilarious prognosticating um, about how Democrats were going to need to, to nominate Gretchen Whit Whitmer and Raphael sure. Warnock to be right. the two people who were the only two people that could take down Trump. And on that, I have, first off, the idea that that pros prognosticating is happening in the press it sort of gives me hope because I'm yeah. like, are we, start, are we, are starting, we starting to, to think more openly ab yeah. about this? So that's a good thing because we need to start having this conversation publicly, I think, for there to actually be the pressure because it's not it's not happening publicly right yeah. now. Other no. than the polling numbers, certainly, which you should just look at and be like, size, well, yeah. I probably shouldn't be running for president. Especially because, but, like, as we brought up last week, he implied through his entire last campaign right, that, that, he he would only, that he was not going to. Right, exactly. But I would like to... Besides saying that, like we need Gretchen Whitmer and Raphael Warnock, as I think friend of the right. podcast Grant Sloss says, like he could have named three hundred other combinations of yes. Democrats and like not come up with that specific one. Uh, like the idea that we need two specific people, right, as opposed to literally any two 
other living people. Right. To be able to beat Donald Trump. Imagine being an independent voter, being called by a pollster right okay. now in the year of our Lord, 2023. Having lived through four years of Donald Trump and three years of right. Joe Biden. And I get partisanship. I understand that. But like... If you have Get not real. moved anyone outside of the Trump cult to be convinced to not vote for him for president a second time, that is a major failure. Yeah. And, and, and like, it can't be overstated, really, how big of a failure yeah. that is. The idea that we're fishing for specific pairs of people to beat Donald mm. Trump. But do you know what could resolve this problem? Is if Joe Biden had the agency of a lame duck president to go and try to solve some problems. Yes, exactly. That would actually light a fire under a lot of people because part of the reason that no one can decide whether they think that Donald Trump or Joe Biden should be the president is because Joe Biden doesn't feel like he's been effective. Right. And so it doesn't, they're not even registering that like their problems could be solved. They're right. just sort of thinking like, well, who fucking cares? I know. Everyone's a fucking disaster and the world's ending. I know. So like, I don't, yeah. anyone could be the president. Well, right. And and part of the reason why people don't want him to Let run is because Let them know what you can like, do right, as a president. Right. And I didn't pull all of these numbers, but you know, they asked people and like, it's some of it, oh, right. Some of it is too old, obviously. And so, you know, like, but some of it is also just because, you know, there was this whole um, article in the New York Times this week about like how Bidenomics isn't catching on. Shocked. I'm shocked. <laughs> Surprised. And like. You know, uh, and interestingly, the people that it's not catching on with are people who are under 40 and, and black and brown because people. Because it's dumb. Right, because it's dumb. Well, it's dumb, but it's also just sort of like, obviously. And it's uncool. Right, people are, <laughs> it's uncool, but people are about to start to having yeah. to pay their student loans again. So there's your under 40 crowd and also over 40 crowd. But also, I mean, like, specifically. But no, this is specifically the crowd of people. The People under 40 own, like, less than 5% of the national wealth. Right, 100%. This is the group yeah. of people who own the least <clears throat> of the nation's wealth. Right. And they are now people who are in middle age. Right. I was going to say, you didn't, you know, the, the student loan thing, obviously, the minimum wage thing, you haven't fought to get that raised at all. The home prices being where they are right now. You know, something like 66% of people are claiming that they're living from paycheck to paycheck. Gas prices are ridiculous right now, even though, like, overall inflation has, like, sort of slowed, but not so much that it's even really perceptible well, And it's slowed people, from like, being really bad to medium. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then there's this perception about the endless amounts of money that are going to Ukraine, especially right. we talked about this, I think, last week as sort of, like, people were upset that, like, like the amount that money of money that going we're going to, to Hawaii. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, I just don't understand what they expect. And one of the things that they said in the article, and this is a, an excuse Democrats give all the time, and you need to remember that this is a bad excuse. Whenever you hear a Democrat say, well, it's just because people don't know about the successes yet, that is also your fault. Yes. If people... Marketing if you is your job. Right. Because, like, and you know what? There are some things to point to that are successes. I would say people's lives are still generally financially in shambles. But like, you know, inflation has slowed some right now. We've got a low unemployment rate. I think the jobs numbers this week showed that wages are ticking up. So like, everyone's on strike. (laughs) Right, exactly. But like, if people don't know that that's the case, it either A, hasn't affected them, which I would contend is probably what actually is happening here. But if it's because they don't know, then the reason they don't know is because you didn't tell them. Well, I remember Obama saying specifically something about how in the, you know, in the sort of bailout for the banks, there were these things that they very specifically embedded so that people wouldn't Wouldn't, feel them. And they thought somehow that was going to be smarter politics because people would just feel that. But like they were also insignificant that people, of course, weren't feeling like they're they were just getting a small amount of what they were owed in a world where they were owed so much and their lives were in shambles anyway. 
And so like, of course, no one noticed. And then they were like shocked that no one noticed and chalked that up to Obama. And it was like, no, if you are in politics, marketing is like 80% of your job. Totally. That's what the Republicans are really good at. Right. I know. 100%. They don't even do it. They're doing things that are so destructive and so ridiculous (laughs) all the time. And the whole time, they're acting like they're experiencing massive successes. (laughs) And that they are effectively governing because they are dismantling your life. Yeah. Like, their response to the Dobbs decision was that years of work that no one should have done and was completely unnecessary paid off. Yeah. Like, they made it seem like they had been effective at something that was actually bad for you. And somehow Republicans were like, we're good at stuff. Like, that was the perception that they created in in an entirely destructive effort. Yeah. Like, we can't even get people to notice our constructive efforts. And part of it is because they're not that constructive. And part of it is because we means test everything. And part of it is no one can feel a lot of the benefits. And the benefits that we can feel are things we feel rightfully that we deserve. So like, 100%. it's like if you can, if you, if the benefit that you feel is you went from not being able to afford health insurance at all to just barely being able to afford catastrophic health insurance, <laughs> that's actually not like being perceived by you as much of a benefit because yeah. you actually deserve better health care than that. Yeah. And so you're only getting a portion of what you, what, what a civilized society would provide yeah, to you. The, it's the, it's the, it's the nibbling around the edges. Yes. It's. And so, of course, no one is celebrating Bidenomics. No. No one is feeling Bidenomics. Because even the things that you could feel from Bidenomics, you don't, you deserve so much more. Right. And we have the resources to provide so much more. And we're not providing them. And everyone knows that. I know. I just, like, it's also, the maddening part about it, and I know I said this already, but I feel like I want to reiterate all of these problems that we just talked about. Because. Do it. Whether it's people thinking that you're too old. Well, I mean, you are. Right. Whether it is being tied in a head-to-head match right now, whether it's people prognosticating about who could replace you, whether it's, uh, you know, Bidenomics not catching on, whether it's young voters not supporting your candidacy, whether it's people not understanding that Bidenomics is good, every single one of those things is the fault of the administration. Yes. Well, and this is something that I think we talked about a lot when Hillary Clinton was running in 2016, which is there seems to be this line of thinking specifically with like this sort of new Democrats movement. But I think Democrats more broadly, since all of them now seem to fall into this movement aside from like the squad. Um, But like where they blame voters for things that were actually their fault repeatedly. We are going to get blamed for this for sure. If we don't get get in line, it will be our fault. Yes. And it's like, no, as always, as was the case. If one person votes for Cornel West, they are going to find that person and they are going to publicly shame them. That's right. If one person even suggests that they don't love Joe Biden more than any human being they've ever encountered. shut the fuck up. That's going to be your fault somehow. And it's like, no, it is actually his fault to tell me why I should vote for him. Yeah. It is always his responsibility. It was Hillary (laughs) Clinton's responsibility. It was Al Gore's responsibility that he also failed at. I mean, I can go back decades no, I know. to this, you know, this this sort of inane sense of entitlement oh, yeah. that dem- that these moderate Democrats bring where they don't think they owe you an explanation of why you should vote for them. Right. And it's like, it's actually always your responsibility. It is never the voters' fault. The yeah. voters are just society. <laughs> right, it's, exactly. it's, they're, they're doing their best. They're just people. And you should assume that overall, voters are never trying to be destructive. Sometimes they feel destructive because they feel hopeless. But voters are like not, voters are not 
people that are trying to be difficult. They are just people trying to do their best. If you have not articulated to them why they are being destructive or how they're being destructive, they may not know, but that's not their fault. They're just trying to get by. (laughs) Like it is always your responsibility as a party, as a candidate, as a campaign, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, employee, whoever it is, it is always on you to explain to the voter. It is never the voter's fault. The voters are everyone it's a pooled risk situation right it's a it's a common denominator situation yeah. you should always assume it's going to be that you, you should gotta... not assume voters have to be smarter than other people right. in order to make stuff happen you should assume that voters are your nephew who's in seventh grade if you need to <laughs> and tell them what they need to know yeah yeah like i it's just like i think there's something so obnoxious about <clears throat> getting a condescending lecture from and you always get these from Democrats, a condescending lecture about how you must not care about America because they, though they made no effort to explain to you why they would be better for you than anyone else, you know, running for office, that you just didn't inherently know about their superiority. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's, no, your inherent superiority doesn't actually work everywhere. (laughs) And I am certainly, listen, we're going to get told a bunch that we have to save democracy mm-hmm. by the way and if you want to save democracy fucking do it and yeah i'm like show me why i should care right first of all show me that democracy works show me Jesus. that this form of government is effective because you can't even do that right now right? we just constantly get told we're going to save democracy for what you guys don't accomplish anything i know i don't know like, if you, i don't know if you've heard lila but the election in 2024 is the most important one in our lifetime oh really yeah god who would i hadn't heard yeah I thought that the one in 2016 and the one in 2020 were the two most important elections in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. I also heard that in 2012. No. I heard it in 2008. I definitely heard it in 2004. 100%. And the year 2000 was filled with the most important news I've ever received about. The, that election was defining. Yeah. Then nothing happened. Like, I <sighs> need Democrats to hear that message themselves and think to themselves, right. wh- how can we act to yeah. show instead of tell that information. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Show instead of tell. But I really well do. I think that that's the sort of, <clears throat> that mentality is, it's why we lose, but it's also why I think there's a disconnect between voters and like the media class a lot. I think that there is like a group of people who think that they are smarter than voters and then, and you're never smarter than voters, by the way. Voters are just people. So you're not, you should never assume you're smarter than them. They know the circumstances of their lives better than you do. And if you right. haven't communicated how you can help the circumstances of their lives, you can't be mad that they don't care about your candidacy. <laughs> but also, like, you then can't be mad at them when they don't care about your, like, you can't blame them for not knowing things you haven't said right. about you. You That's can right. blame them for, I guess, not liking you when it turns out that they just don't personally like you. <laughs> right. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy is going to have to face that fact at some point. Truly. Pete Buttigieg had to face that fact ultimately. And he will forever have to face that fact no matter how much they try to position him as the future of the party. Mm -hmm. Is he will have to face the fact that he is disliked for what are really personality reasons (laughs) that have nothing to do with anything. But you can't be mad that people aren't buying what you're selling when you're not trying to sell it. And if you're selling something that no one needs in particular. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. Well put. That's the podcast. That's the podcast. Um, We'll be back next week with kind of an exciting uh, 
Oh yeah, we're gonna have a special guest next we're week. Gonna have a and we're gonna guest. talk local LA politics, which we've sort of talked about before, but there's been movement on the you know the yeah. the idea that we might change the amount of council members that we're having in various. Well, and it's something that I think, council. if you're not from LA, will be relevant to your own sort of like how you can think about your own role in local politics and what your both responsibilities and agency is. Totally. Yeah. So. Agreed. Um, so I think it will be relevant no matter what. But definitely uh, tune in next week for yeah. that. And we'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.